Thanks for joining us today as we have a chance to chat with Peter Kamau about his experiences as a care leaver. Peter is with Child and Family Focus, and he's going to be sharing a little bit about his personal experience living in residential care. He is also going to help us understand some of the unique challenges other care leavers face after leaving residential care, as well as ways that we can be more responsive and more supportive to these young adults. So welcome, Peter. We are so thrilled to have you here. Every time I hear you speak, whether it's about your own personal experience or about the experiences of other young people you've met through your work, you know, I always walk away with a fresh perspective. And while I'm encouraged in so many ways, I'm also challenged as well. Uh, So let's start off by asking about your personal experience in residential care. I joined residential care when I was four years old. That was the second time because the first time I was uh, barely two years. And... um, Stayed in residential care for 15 years initially, and thereafter, during my gap year and college years, I went back for four years. But uh, I was admitted into residential care with uh, my siblings, and we are six of us. I'm the last one of six. So we all spent a considerable amount of time in residential care. Were you in the same residential care center as your siblings? Initially, we had been separated and taken to different care establishments, and they were all the wrong places for us because Joyce and I were taken to a residential facility for children who are physically challenged, and my four elder siblings were taken to a facility for youngsters who were in conflict with the law. But then we were all reunited at one orphanage in Nairobi two years later. You know, I imagine it was so much better when you were together with your siblings. Oh, without, without a doubt, it was a way better arrangement because it means I could see my siblings. Unfortunately, this was totally for the weekends and uh, it was occasional, so to say. But knowing that you are all in the same campus was sort of reassuring and a good feeling came about it. But I would see them a lot during the weekends. Would you mind describing your experience of leaving the orphanage and um, some of the experiences you had your first few years after you left? The whole process of leaving care was quite quite a process of a kind because I was called to a meeting in the office and informed that I will be leaving at the end of the year. And that was it. I was not uh, consulted as to what would work for me and what I wanted. All I was to do is to comply to an instruction that had been given. But then interestingly is that I got what not many care leavers get because I got an opportunity to work at a gas station for a year. That was my gap year after leaving high school. And uh, that to me was quite a turning point in my life because there's a lot of things that it taught me and not very many care leavers get that opportunity. I got an opportunity to learn important life skills such as budgeting. You know, I used to get a salary, time management, work ethics. I opened a bank account. And that to me was quite an important stage of my life and that I did for a year. But on the other hand, even while I was in that transition stage, there were definitely challenges and and some highlights that came with it. But the important thing to point out is that I was informed that I would be leaving care and there was no consultation. All I needed to do was comply and I did not even have an opportunity to ask questions. I was called to the social work office where there were 
two social workers and the nursing in charge, and I got the, the, the instructions about my leaving care at the end of the year, and uh, I, I obliged. And then what they told me is that because I was at a boarding facility that was very near where my relatives were, I was informed that upon completion of my high school, I was not supposed to come back to the orphanage and that I would need to stay with my uncle and uh, until my results would be sort of ready. And normally it would be around four months or three months before your high school results come out. And so upon completion of my schooling, I stayed with my uncle as I had been instructed. But then halfway through the Christmas break, I decided I could go back to the orphanage to take some books which I had. And I thought that they would be useful for a person who's going into the class I was in the next year. But then when I got there, there were some managerial changes, luckily. But then I met a chief administrator who was very, very considerate. She was listening and she called me to her office and asked me a couple of questions. And she asked me, what would be your next steps, Peter, now that you are headed to a gap year that, uh, before you joined campus? What, what would you prefer to do and what, what are the instructions you've been given? And so I told her, I have been instructed to stay at home with my uncle, help take care of the goats and sheep. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do that. Then she asked me, are you sure of that? And I was surprised for the very first time someone is asking me what, whether I was comfortable with a particular instruction. And I said, not really, because there weren't a lot of opportunities in the rural settings. And um, she asked me whether I would like to do something that earns me some income. And I said, of course, that would be really useful. So she told me, stay around, don't go anywhere. And tomorrow I'll send you for an interview. And that's what happened. I, together with two others, were sent to a gas station where we were interviewed, one for a shop attendant job and I at a gas station. And that was purely a godsend opportunity and uh, I would not attribute it to the social work department of the orphanage, but it was a new chief admin who came in and really wanted to be sort of listening to the youngsters and uh, working in their best interest. It's amazing how that one caring adult, she changed the trajectory of your life. That is the best thing that happened to me, really, in my many, yeah. many years growing up in care for 15 years, yeah. You've met a lot of other young people along the way who have left residential care. What is life generally like for them after they've aged out or have left the residential care center? I, I would uh, happily look at my sibling situation because... The, the, my, my five siblings were not as lucky as I was. And uh, in their case, it was very bewildering for a start because they are faced with this huge transition in life and uh, there has not been any preparation towards it. And it, it, it was a big shocker for starters because uh, you are not sure what the future holds. It's very uncertain for an individual. And considering that for many that grow up in orphanages, the, theirs is a, is a traumatic experience. And so when you're now faced with a situation that you're ill-prepared for, it, it doesn't make things any better. And so what happens is that for many, they feel overwhelmed, they feel lost and alone. And uh, in a lot of cases, many are sort of taken to live with relatives who are equally not prepared to take the youngsters back in. They have not been cancelled. They have not been supported or given any sort of ongoing support for continued care for the youngsters. And so 
to, to many, it's a huge adjustmental challenge and problem. They do not have direction. They don't know which direction to take in life. They struggle to build meaningful relationships. And unfortunately, for many, they are not even allowed back into the very orphanage that they knew as home for so many years. And, and so it is a big adjustment challenge for many. And uh, there is a culture shock because you're supposed to lead life on your own and you have no one who is guiding you because the relatives that you've been taken back to um, actually consider you a, a burden to them because without any financial sort of support or capacity to be able to render the best care possible to you, it, it becomes quite a challenge for many. Other than that, also considering that many are taken back to environments that are uh, rural, so to say, the language that they speak in this context is different from the language that a youngster was used to speaking in the orphanage. And so even communicating with your own relatives that you have been sort of separated from for many years is a huge uh, challenge. And then there's also the issue of lack of support from the family, lack of community you know, support. You do not know which church to go to, you don't know the people you're meeting, and, and it's starting afresh to create relationships. And this is not something that is very easy. And, and sadly speaking, for many, they even struggle to raise their own families, you know. And if they end up in family life, it is dysfunctions all around because they are bringing up children, they are taking care of spouses, and they have never really learned how to, you know, love. Not forgetting that a lot of them end up being dependent on people. If, if possible, some of them want to go back to the orphanage to receive support. And so it's quite a buffet of challenges that the youngsters face. And uh, for ladies especially, many will end up in early marriage situations and uh, because they are desperate and anyone who tells them, I love you and the likes, they easily fall prey into the wrong hands, into the wrong marriages. And so it is unfortunate. My very own brother, Patrick, who was our firstborn, we looked up to him for an example, but he struggled with adjustment with life after care and committed suicide in 2007. And that really is very sad and the, it's the worst it can get, really. So many will end up in uh, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, for some girls, I know some who are in prostitution because the children's home got you out. They did not have any proper planning as to how life continues for you and there's no follow-up. And so you need to live. You need food on the table. You need to, to continue on in life. And so they end up getting into the worst sort of occupations. So for many, unfortunately, the script is so bad for so many children out there. Others are living in abject poverty. I know one that is living like a vagabond, really, moving from place to place. And uh, it is just a sad, sad, grim situation for so, so many. But luckily, there are those organizations that have good strategies in place, and they start preparing the youngsters from really early on. And what we find is that for such facilities, there are better outcomes for the young care leavers that come out of their facilities whereby you find that there is already a kitty that is in place for them to sort of be trained in life skills, be trained in entrepreneurial skills, 
and uh, for some organizations also they have good programs that connect these youngsters to jobs and you find that such have better outcomes and considering that not many do very well in academics or in their studies because of the trauma uh, experiences that they go through in care what we find also is that there are so many youngsters that despite being assured of continued sponsorship to the highest level possible you find that many do not even get good grades that qualify them for college or university education and so a lot of them have low educational standards or, or qualifications or attainments and and it means then it gets very very difficult for them to cope with life outside the orphanage is this the common experience in your professional experience have you found that some orphanages are better than others I ended up working in an orphanage and uh, it was quite high standard so to say and they had group facilities whereby a caregiver would be taking care of around 15 children and considering that is one of the best in the country as far as the ratings go for children's homes I can tell you retrospectively looking at the outcomes if at all the youngster was not involved in preparation for their exit if at all the planning did not commence way earlier if at all the preparation for life after care was not done for so many even with the best facilities they end up doing so badly retrospectively and you find that the same challenges of poor academic outcomes or performance you find uh, the fact that they were still in a group sort of facility are uh, very many still struggle to cope outside because they have lost linkage with their very family that they knew and so the fact that a child was taken out of their natural environment which was a family setting taken to an orphanage and it is many years later that these homes want to now reconnect the child with their family the realization or the challenge has always been the family and the child were disengaged at some point and the relationship was sort of severed or cut off and so to try and bridge it back together is always a huge huge task and it is not that easy for for both the families as well as the youngsters so what types of supports and services would be the most helpful for care laborers to receive uh first and foremost with the preparation it has to be timely and adequate for living care there has to be careful planning for the transition but other than that also we find that following up on care leavers you know upon disengaging them from the orphanage are you making follow ups on on them to find out how are they coping sometimes just knowing that there's someone who is coming to check on you and ask how you're doing makes a huge difference but also we do have uh, things like connecting them with counseling services resilience training sessions as well as uh, issues to do with trauma healing because upon disengagement from the facility some people experience trauma and so it is important to sort of touch base with them to find out how they're doing is there any trauma healing that is required or services in that direction but also we find some struggle with housing and so getting accommodation for them even if it is for the first couple of months and then sort of slowly allow them to be on their own supported independent living it entails putting in place uh, mechanisms or investments that ensure that youngsters can get adequate housing 
they can get access to healthcare or things like health insurance, how to apply for such. And if at all they cannot afford it, can they get supported in that regard? And, and for those that are gifted in vocational trades, can they be supported in that? There are some who leave the orphanage and they have a desire to pursue higher learning. Can they be supported or connected with sponsorships for that? We, in some cases, uh, like in my case, a job placement, for instance, helping set up a business. Is there an opportunity to connect them with microfinance facilities? And, and sometimes even looping in the whole aspect of livelihoods training. But one thing, Sarah, I find so, so useful is connecting them to mentors. You know, encouraging mentoring uh, arrangements and peer-to-peer sessions. I find that very, very useful because uh, for a person who's just left care, it helps to get to meet someone who's left and succeeded or someone who is making it in life, not necessarily a care lever. Not forgetting basic skills like do they know how to cook and how can they be supported with that? Do they know how to negotiate? Do they know how to shop and to budget? And so all these are an array of services that can really help care leavers fare better. But then, considering that many of them leave and go into family life, can they be supported in parenting classes? Can they be taught how to take care of themselves, you know, self-care? And, and improving their life skills and employability skills. And so these are, are, are services that can be given to them prior to leaving, but for the cases where they did not receive such, they can be followed up and accorded them even after they have left care. Now, we often hear that a large percentage of what many refer to as orphans actually have a living parent or relatives that could take care of them with some supports. So in your experience, have you found this to be true? And if so, what have been some of the preventative measures to help children remain in their families? Indeed, uh, many of us had family. I had uncles, I had aunties, and uh, for the very many children that I was in care with, they used to be visited quite frequently. And um, the reality on the ground is that very many children have living parents or if orphaned relatives that can be supported to care for the children. And so without a doubt, I very much support family strengthening, I support prevention of separation. And, we, and, and if you go to the community and you are looking to see how can the needs of the family be met so that they can be better able to cater for their children's needs, the push factor for children into orphanages is poverty. It is not because of their orphans. And so is it possible to then address poverty as opposed to taking such an action as disconnecting a child from their families? What about going in to see, can they get some cash stipends? Can they get some funding for the child's schooling? In some countries like Kenya, we have education that is primary education, which is for free. And much as there are some associated costs that come with that, is it possible for organizations to put in some investment towards supporting families? And for some families, it is just a simple thing as encouraging them to soldier on with the child, telling them why the child is better off in their care as opposed to being elsewhere. And, and so it's a whole perception, perception change that is required to help families and communities understand that children thrive best in families and not in orphanages because 
outcomes later in life are quite disastrous for many children. And so I, without a doubt, support a, a family strengthening, prevention of separation, and keeping children in communities. And orphanages should be used as a measure of last resort. And yes, I have the orphanage to thank for who I have turned out to be today. And very many of us have the orphanage to thank. But retrospectively looking at the outcomes and how many have succeeded vis-a-vis -vis those that haven't, we still see a huge, huge, huge uh, imbalance in that many are struggling. Many haven't made it. What advice do you have for churches and other donors who really want to support care for orphans and other vulnerable children? First and foremost, I would advise them to sort of uh, do their research to find out what is best for children. What do children really need? They'll be surprised to learn that uh, it's not about the good roof over their head. It's not about the luxury sort of life that some orphanages offer. But children need consistent, caring adults. Children need love. Children need attachment. Children need, yes, they need their basics met. But you find that the big needs, that they need a hug. They need someone who is joyfully mad about them. Secondly, sensitize the society on the essence of family care to the growth and the development of orphaned children and work with programs that are supporting the bringing up of children in families, support individuals, support groups, support organizations whose effort is to protect and preserve families. Other than that also, is it possible, if at all you have to support a child or children in a setting that is orphanage-like, go into orphanages or organizations that have a clear roadmap for children. They have taken these children because it is a measure of last resort and that they're doing the best they can to put in place alternative care arrangements for these children. Because, for example, in the Kenyan situation, we are told that a child should not be in a children's home for more than three years. And so they're given a time frame to sort of look at what works best as far as alternatives in the continuum of care are concerned. And so my encouragement or my advice to churches and donors is to move and work with organizations that are working towards strengthening families, getting children into alternative care. And if already going into an orphanage setting, could you work with the orphanage in charges to help the orphanage transition, reintegrate children back in a way that does, that does not do the children harm? But you know, nice programs that get children back into families, and if their very own families cannot take care of them, consider adoption. So Peter, what was most personally helpful to you as you prepared to leave the orphanage? What was helpful, what helped me prepare for leaving, and, and I must point out that uh, prayer as well as church connections and relationships that I had formed were very, very helpful for me because uh, at least I belonged to a, a cell group and, and these, these people really were on my case. They were my accountability friends and partners, and so they cared to check on me a lot of times. So there was a component of the church and the connections that I made therein. But other than that also, uh, there is a family of a member of staff that I developed quite a close relationship with while in care. And uh, this family, she was a nursing sister, a nursing 
sort of personnel at the orphanage. And uh, upon leaving care, she had also left working in the orphanage for some time, but she had kept the conversations and was keeping in touch with me and my sister. And I found that to be so, so useful because upon leaving care, I knew I could go to her place. I could go to her family, visit with her husband, herself and her children. And um, there was a lot of learnings about family life. And uh, they also did advise me a lot. They were my spiritual parents in a way. And, and that relationship for your information has been so helpful because even upon um, attaining, you know, getting to the stage of wanting to get married and going through the processes of dowry payments as well as meeting my wife's family, this family actually came and stood in that gap as a family for me. And, and I must emphasize how important it, it is for role modeling and care leavers to identify with families that, that can sort of guide them, mentor them, and uh, be the pillar of support. And, and that, that to me was really superb. And today, my son Jed will grow up knowing Naz Jane as the grandmother because she's always calling to check on Jed. She's popping into the house. And what my biological mother could have done is what this lady has ended up doing. And so that tells us that um, there is a place for family, and even if not the original family, family relationships and a model of a family that can teach us family values and what it means to bring up a child, what it means to check on the welfare of another, what it means to be family. I feel that is a very, very useful component that uh, care leavers would, would need. And even those that are running orphanages should try and encourage those relationships between youngsters and families, either that are working in the orphanage or those that are out there that are connected to the orphanage. Because there are many, many people out in the public domain that want to come and support the orphanage. And support does not always have to be by way of donating uh, food items, money, but it can be that they can commit to journey with a child or a youngster through life's journey. I have Amos and Jane and their children, Faith and Steve, to thank for just how they have opened their homes and hearts to me and you know, just embracing me. And we even have fellowship with them every Monday. It's, it's unbelievable to imagine like when I was going in for the dowry payment, you know, yes, I had my contribution, but they gave also of their resources big time. And what manner of love is this? It is purely a God thing. And uh, so as many organizations as possible need to invest in mentoring and, and getting young children to know families out there and to experience what it is to be in family. And presently I am back consulting with the very same orphanage where I grew up in. And if there is anything that I'm, I'm, I'm taking there is systemic changes as well as just investment in mentoring and peer-to-peer -peer support and sort of counseling and uh, living life knowing that you have accountability partners and people that actually are wanting to know your progress and you can always lean on should you have any struggles. Wow, Peter, it's incredible how strong bonds with a loving family can make all the difference. As I said earlier, I knew I would learn a lot today and this conversation has been extraordinarily helpful. Uh, would you recommend any resources or other information to our listeners to support youth who are aging out of care or who are leaving orphanages? Of course, we have 
entities or organizations like Better Care Network. We have Faith to Action itself has a lot of resources on how to transition from uh, institutional care to family-based care and giving the options that are available. But at the same time, the very country that uh, we practice in, we have, for instance, in Kenya, the guidelines for the alternative family care of children in Kenya. And uh, we have a lot of emphasis in those guidelines on prioritizing family-based care for children and prevention of separation. And so I would go to, to, to looking at this respective country of operation. They have specific guidelines. They have the continuum. But other than that, if at all you're looking to the issue of care leavers, for instance, the Kenya Society of Care Leavers, of which I'm a member, has a lot of studies that it has done on our experiences, what the challenges were, and put in recommendations. So from the Society of Care Leavers website, it's possible to get some of these uh, reports that can help in uh, informing future programming, in informing policy change and legislative amendments where needed. And so there's a lot out there. But I, I must uh, laud Faith to Action for leading this process of putting out resources that organizations can use and that can help sensitize communities and uh, actors on what is best for children. Well, thank you for that encouragement. It's really nice to hear that. Peter, thank you for sharing about your experiences as a care lever and also as a practitioner. If you'd like to learn more about the work of Faith to Action, please visit our website at www.faith2action.org. That's F-A-I-T-H-T-O-A-C-T-I-O-N.org. You can also follow us on social media.